Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible as well as your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you. Hopefully we can answer some of those questions you have about the Bible, about Christian faith, about Christian living and discipleship in the world today, maybe things going on in your life that you'd like perspective on, on how to live those things out faithfully as a Christian in the world today. Or if you have prayer requests, we have a lot of people tuning in right now, and we'd love to pray for your prayer requests on the air today with all those listening so they can say yes and amen along with us and lift up those needs you have to the Lord. So give us a call. 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 for the call-in line. And the text line is 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Hey, we want to welcome those of you who are tuning in in Colorado and in Wyoming here on Grace FM. You are hearing the show live today. Today is Friday. It is July 16th, and glad to be with you live today here in Colorado, up into southern Wyoming. And we also want to greet those of you who are listening on our sister stations, uh, our syndicated broadcasts on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky, as well as on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program, wherever you're tuning in from today. We do want to remind you, uh, our listeners on the East Coast in the Tennessee area, that you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. So we want you to just know that and keep it in mind, but we want you to still be part of the show if you're listening on those stations on Hope FM and Truth FM. Uh, And you guys, actually, I I would like you to think of it as a unique opportunity you have so that knowing that you're if you are calling in, you know, from Truth FM, Hope FM on the East Coast or Appalachia, that you are uh, going to hear yourself on the radio a week after you call. And we want you to take that opportunity to maybe tell some friends, family members, hey, I'm going to be on the radio, tune in, listen to me. And this can be a great way for you to introduce people in your community to this station, the local Christian radio station that you're listening on there in your area, and as they start to listen to it, maybe they'll start to listen to some of the other Bible teaching. Maybe they'll have some Bible questions that'll get answered on the air. Really, really good time. So um, really, really good opportunity there for you. And we we just want you, wherever you're listening, whether you're listening online, on Grace FM, Truth FM, Hope FM, let's spread the word so that uh, people can find out about this great ministry because we we hear reports all the time about people who are tuning in and their lives are being changed and transformed uh, by the Word of God as they hear it, as it goes out, as it goes out over the airwaves, and people hear it, it goes into their ears, affects their minds, transforms their hearts, and we see them be born again and brought into the body of Christ. It's a beautiful thing. So, 
we want to just welcome you wherever you're listening today. We also want to welcome our online listeners. We have a lot of online listeners today. I just got sent a map of online listeners a lot in Western Colorado today. So we want to welcome those of you listening on the Western Slope of Colorado. We have some listeners in the Bay Area of California, up into Sacramento. We have listeners in Southern California today in the Los Angeles area, as well as in, looks like Kansas City representing New York today. We've got, um, I think Wichita, Kansas has some listeners today, as well as some listeners in Ukraine. So Wherever you're tuning in from today, we're glad to have you with us. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. Give us a call with your questions about the Bible. Oh, I see. I forgot Washington State. They don't let me get away with anything around here, do they? You Washington State people are like, hey, don't forget about us. So, hey, Washington State, glad to have you representing as well. Give us a call. We want to hear from you uh, wherever you're tuning in from and listening today with your Bible questions and with your prayer requests. The number to call 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. Um, just a few words about myself before we go to some of our calls and texts. Um, we have all open lines right now, so now it actually would be a great time to call in uh, with your Bible questions, your prayer requests. So once again, that, that number to call, 303-690-3000. Um, but just a few words about myself as we're beginning the show. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And uh, I've been pastoring here for about nine years. Uh, our church has been here for longer than that. I wasn't the founding pastor, but I came uh, when the church was still pretty young, and uh, we've just seen God do a great thing over the last several years. Um, we moved into our own facility right on Highway 119 on the east side of Longmont last year, and the church has been growing, and we're excited about what's going on. Just this past week, we had a VBS, a vacation Bible school, and just saw the building just full of kids uh, learning and hearing about Jesus on their age levels and people serving them. It's just a, a great, great thing. That's been going on. So we'd love to have you join us. If you are in the Longmont area or within driving distance of Longmont, we'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. You can find directions and information about our church on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. You can also check us out on your podcast app. You can check us out on social media. We're on all the main channels for social media. And we have three Sunday morning services. So three Sunday morning services, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 o'clock a.m. And we'd love to have you join us for those. The 8 o'clock service is a family service. The 9.30 and 11 o'clock services have children's ministry available. And we'd love for your whole family to be able to come and worship with us this Sunday. And if you're not within driving distance of our church, um, but you'd still like to be connected with us, maybe join us for service online. We'd love for you to do that on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. You can also do that on YouTube and Facebook. We're streaming on there as well, but we have online church on our website, whitefieldschurch.com, on Sunday mornings for the 9.30 and 11 a.m. services. And uh, you can also hear me here on Grace FM every weekday. We have a show that airs twice a day at 9.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m., as well as Sundays at 1 o'clock p.m. So anytime you are listening to Grace FM, you'll hear me on at those times. So let me give you the numbers to call once again. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 
690-3000. Call in with your questions about the Bible. Call in with your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to pray for you. Um, the text line is 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. So I've, I've been away from the show for um, a number of weeks now. So two weeks I have not hosted. I'm usually your host every Friday here on Calvary Live, but I've been away for two weeks. Uh, it's kind of a summer vacation for us. First, we were at a Calvary Chapel conference out in California. And then we went and visited some family, did some vacation stuff, got to see Yosemite National Park, which was amazing. You know, it's one of those things where it's pretty hard not to uh, glorify God and, uh, and give him the praise when you see these, these massive walls and this beautiful creation. So we had a great time doing that, but we're excited to be back in Colorado. And this coming Sunday, I'm going to be starting a new series at Whitefield. So I'd love to have you join us for it. The series is called Grace and Truth, and it's a study through the book of 1 Corinthians. One of the things we like to do at our church as a, as a Calvary Chapel church, as part of our culture as, as Calvary Chapel churches, we like to teach through books of the Bible. And so for a while there, we did a series where we taught um, a few things, like Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. Then we looked at what the Bible says about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and now we're getting back into kind of our bread and butter, which is studying through books of the Bible. And that is going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, this coming Sunday. And I'm really excited to get into this book because, you know, this is one of the most practical books in the New Testament. A lot of other New Testament letters really deal with uh, theology, for example, giving like a systematic theology like the book of Romans or Hebrews. Um, these books give a lot of kind of systematic theology. They were written, um, for example, by Paul. Paul wrote the book of Romans to people who he didn't know intimately and personally. He um, knew of them, but he had never met them personally. And so he wrote to them to explain to them what the gospel is and then to talk about some of the outworkings of it. So in that letter, he's a little bit disconnected. But in 1 Corinthians, it's just the opposite. He's writing to people who he intimately is acquainted with. He was their pastor. He was the founder of their church. He was there when many of them got saved and got plugged into the church. And so he's writing to them for two reasons. One is that they had written to him asking a lot of questions about, about doctrinal matters and about things going on in their church. But then he also wrote them because in the meantime, he had gotten a report that about some behaviors and things that were going on in their church that he wanted to address. And so it's a book where, where Paul's really dealing with um, kind of putting out fires, if you will. But in the midst of that, we get to know more about the Corinthian church than we know about any other of the early churches. And, you know, there can be this tendency for people to want to, um, I guess you would call it like, um, they, they want to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? romanticize. That's the word I'm looking for. They want to romanticize the early church, and they want to say, wow, the early church, it was so good back then. But what we see with the Corinthian churches, yeah, but they also had a lot of problems. And, and the good news for us is that we get to learn from those things. And so we're going to be studying 1 Corinthians, and our study this weekend is really pertinent for where we're at today as a culture. And it's a study that I'm calling United by a Higher Calling, because one of the problems in the Corinthian church is that they were divided. They were forming factions. They were divided. And Jesus had prayed on the night when he was betrayed. He had prayed that the church would be 
united. That's really important. We're going to talk about what unity is, what unity isn't, right? We want to be unified around the truth, not unified in spite of truth. And so we want full truth and full grace and both of those things. So we're going to be talking about that this summer, this Sunday. You know, I've noticed that our society is, is more and more divided. And so how do, we, how do we combat that with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What does it mean for us to be united as the people of God and unite around truth as opposed to unite in spite of truth? We're going to talk about that this Sunday. We'd love to have you join us, whitefieldschurch.com for times and directions. Okay, let's go to our first caller here. We've got Mike in Kersey, Colorado. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the program. Uh, Nick, thank you for having me. Uh, God bless you for your work in Christ. Um, I, have a, I have a request. I was hoping that you'd lead us in a prayer for revival in this nation, um, that uh, we'd be reawakened to the Spirit of God, and, and He would once again come and rule over us. Amen, Mike. I would love to pray for that. Let's all do that. And I just encourage all our listeners out there, let's let's pray for this together right now, wherever you are, driving in your cars, at work. Pray together with me, if you would. And let's pray for revival in this nation. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you this noble request from Mike, but Lord, it's our, our cry of our hearts as well. Lord, that you would pour out your spirit on our nation. Lord, we pray that you would do a great work of revival. Lord, we pray that the seeds that have been planted and watered over these years, Lord, with faithful Bible teaching in many churches, Lord, over the internet, over the radio waves, Lord, we ask that you would water those seeds, but Lord, we pray that this would be a time of great harvest. Lord, we pray that you would send workers into your harvest field because you yourself know that the fields are white for the harvest. And so, Lord, we ask that you would bring about revival in our nation once again, that there would be a turning of hearts to you, whether it be there would be inner transformation taking place by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, and that that would lead to not only individual change, but it would lead to transformation of society from the inside out, one person at a time, as people are getting saved, as you're working in their lives and transforming them. Lord, we know that there's also a need for infrastructure, so to say, to disciple all these people, Lord, who are going to turn to you when you do a work of revival. So, Lord, we pray for healthy churches. Lord, we pray for leaders to be raised up. We pray for disciplers to disciple. And Lord, we pray for blessing for our nation. But Lord, we pray for salvation for people in this nation as well. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mike, anytime you want to call in and ask for prayer for revival, do it, brother. That's good stuff. Many thanks. Um, God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Give me a call. We have one open line, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Dalton in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hi, Dalton. Welcome to the program. Hi, it's Dalton. Hey, how are you doing? Good. I think you... Uh, might have a radio on or something, but um, I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, good. Uh, that was just a loud car that passed oh, okay. me. Gotcha. Uh, well, so I really enjoy your teaching and how you teach at your church and everything like that. And so I listen to your podcast on Spotify um, almost every day. I mean, I haven't been lately because I've been in charge of training, but either way, 
fact of the matter is, is I listen to you a lot, and I really appreciate your teaching style and all the information that you have. So I just want to, you know, kind of compliment you there. I appreciate I think that. God's Thanks, doing so. Really uh, good work, and you make things very understandable. So I'm glad. So one of them, though, um, it was in the Book of Kings, and I want to say it was in First Kings, but I don't remember what chapter. Um, it was talking about Solomon and um, all his glory and all that kind of stuff. But um, in one of them, you talked about the income that he was getting. I don't remember if you said it was per day or whatever, but it was 666000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And in the sermon, you said that in the uh, sermon extra, you would talk about it, but um, there was no sermon extra talking about it. So I was curious as to what the importance of that number was. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm, and I'm hoping you can remember kind of what yeah. you were alluding to there. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually there was a sermon extra on it. Um, and you know what? I put it on my blog on my website as well. I've kind of correlated all those things. So link to the sermon, a link to the sermon extra as well. So I'd be happy to text you that link. If you want to later on, when you get the time, uh, when you're not driving, like text in and just, uh, ask for, and this goes for anybody out there listening right now, anybody listening, text the text line, and ask me for the post, you know, in some way about Solomon and the number 666. It's from 1 Kings chapter 10. And the text line, just for the, anybody who's waiting for it, is 720-336-0897. So 720-336-0897. I'll send you this link, um, and that'll have the sermon extra in it. But to give you an answer to your question, Dalton, the... Um, the verse is 1 Kings 10, verse 14, and it says this. It says, The weight of gold that Solomon that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. And this is the only time the number 666 appears in the Bible other than Revelation 13, where we read about the beast who rises from the earth, and it says that, let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. So here's my take on this. I think there are a few ways that we could understand this, right? There are a few options. Let's just kind of take tally of what our options are. Option number one is that, you know, the number 666, um, as far as Solomon's gold, has correlation with the thing that we read later on in Revelation, that the number of the beast is 666. Or it could just be he happened to have that many talents of gold. To me, numbers in the Bible are important enough that it wouldn't just say this number and mean nothing, right? Um, But it could just be that it's how much gold he had, right? Like uh, if you have 666 followers on Instagram, that doesn't mean that you're the Antichrist, right? So I, I'll tell you this, that um, when it says there, let them calculate the number of the beast. This is a thing that people get really, uh, I would say, weird about. You know, I, I, let me give you some examples. Um, for example, throughout the years, especially in the 20th century, Christians tried to figure out what the mark of the beast was. Uh, there was a time when, well, right now, there's there. Or, sorry, this is 2020, there was a bill before the House of Representatives, which was 6666, 
which is, you know, not exactly 666, but kind of. And then, um, you know, people would say, oh, Ronald Reagan. This is a funny one I found from the 80s. People thought Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist because Ronald Wilson Reagan is three words, each with six letters, so 666. Um, another, you know, version said that, um, I don't know, there's all kinds of ideas, right? The coronavirus, right? Corona is six letters. And if you add up the number, the order of the letters in the English alphabet, they add up to 66, so 666. Um, but that that's not really what, what it means when it says calculate the number of the beast. What it means is most likely something that's called gematria. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And that's basically when you take a letter of the Greek alphabet and it's assigned a number and you take that and so alpha, which is like the letter A for them, would be the number one, beta, the number, letter B, would be number two. And it's interesting because if you take Caesar Nero's name in Greek, which is Neron Caesar, and transliterate it into Hebrew, then the addition of the numbers actually does add up to 666. Now, that doesn't mean that the, the second beast in Revelation 13 is necessarily Caesar Nero himself, but it probably means that it's someone very similar to or comparable to Caesar Nero. So what does that have to do with Solomon? Well, you know, when we get into numerology in the Bible, you know, clearly some numbers are really important. Like the number three is really important. The number seven is really important. The number 12 is important. The number 40, these are all very important numbers that are repeated throughout the Bible. Well, in the same way, the number six is considered, you know, one less than seven, seven being perfection. And historically, you know, it's been considered the, um, the number of man. And so the idea is that w what is 666, three times the number six, what does it represent? Well, it represents this sense of humanity, but in a negative sense, like human flesh, um, which is built up in opposition to God in the same way that like Babylon and the Tower of Babel, you know, represented this tower, which was built in opposition to God as, as opposed to submission to God. And so here's my take on Solomon. And I, I don't remember exactly what I said back in the day on that sermon extra, but here's my take on it at the current moment, that the fact that it mentions Solomon having 666, 666 talents of gold in one year, either that's just simply the number of talents of gold that he had, more likely I think it represents the fact that this was his wealth in which he trusted in the same way that the people of Babel trusted in their edifice that they created in opposition to God. And, and I think it represents uh, what we would call, maybe in Christian terms, a fleshly tendency or a fleshly trust. Okay, cool. Well, like I said, um, usually when I listen to the podcast, it kind of goes, and if there's a sermon extra, it's usually right after the sermon. Um, and it just didn't happen that time, and so I just assumed that there wasn't a sermon extra on it. So, but I appreciate you explaining it, and um, I'll have to check out the sermon extra too, just to kind of definitely kind of retain it um, and all that kind of stuff. But I appreciate you uh, taking the time and explaining it. For sure, yeah. The sermon extra, by the way, is called "What Is the Correlation Between Solomon and 666?" And if you just go on my website, you can also just search up this page. It's called "The Number of the Beast and Solomon." So, but again, anybody okay. who wants the link, I'll be happy to text it to you. Just text the text line here at the show, 
720-336-0897. Perfect. Will do. Thank you very much, Pastor Nick. God bless you, Dalton. Thanks for calling in. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call with your questions about the Bible or with your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Rick, in Honeybrook, Pennsylvania. Hi, Rick. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor. How are you? Doing great. Great, great. I have a question. Um, My niece has been a Christian for a while, her and her sister both, and now they they want to be baptized, but um, they don't want to be baptized in front of like a a church congregation because they're both very, very shy. And um, I didn't know, I didn't know what to tell her because she asked me to baptize her in her sister's pool. And I was baptized in a Baptist church way back in the 80s, and there was a public witness there with everybody around. So I just didn't know. I just need counsel on this, if you can. So, Rick, I think there wouldn't be anything wrong with doing it, but I'll tell you, I don't think it's ideal. And let me let me ask ask you one or two questions. I'll explain to you why I don't think it's ideal. Um, Do they go to church somewhere? They do not. Like I say, she's she. She's very shy. There is a church um, not too far away from her house that if she would be baptized, I was going to try to get her to go mm-hmm. and, you know, try to come alongside a little closer with her and, and spend time with her and stuff. I explained to her about the public witness and all that stuff, and, um, and, and then I read in the Bible many years ago about the eunuch who came across the person, and they were baptized, and he went away rejoicing. So that's that's the reason why I'm calling, and she does not go to church anywhere. No, mm, okay. I'm just really torn, Pastor. I don't know what to do. You know. Yeah. So I'll tell you this: in the on the one hand, she's being baptized into Christ, but here's the other part: she's also being baptized into the people of God, right? The body of Christ. And so this is where I'm saying that I don't think it would be wrong, but I don't think it's ideal, and. Um, I have this great quote that I love to quote to our church because I I think it's so paradigm shifting for the way that we as Americans tend to think. It's from Sinclair Ferguson, and here's what he says. We are not saved individually and then choose to join the church as if it were some club or support group, but rather Christ died for his people, and we are saved when by faith we become part of the people for whom Christ died. And this is a a biblical principle as well, right? Like you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a city set on a hill. You can't be a city by yourself, right? I I know that we're on the same page on this. I'm kind of preaching to the choir here when I tell you this. But um, I'll just tell you, I mean, part of it, uh, here's an example I always use with our church. And I might have to put you on hold because uh, we're coming up on our break, just a heads up. But I always tell them like this, you know, here in the state of Colorado, it's totally possible to get married without having any ceremony whatsoever. Like literally, you don't even need witnesses. Just two people can sign a document and put it in a mailbox and be married legally. And it's cheaper to do it that way. It's easier. There's not all this, you know, to do about it. You don't have to organize things and pay money. So why not do that? 
why, why not just make it easy like that? And what I tell them is that because the purpose of doing it in front of people is on the one hand to declare something before the congregation, but it's also so that they can hold you accountable. You want to walk with this group of people and you're asking them to help you. You're saying, hey, I want you to know that I've chosen to follow Jesus and that he's regenerated me. And I want you to help me on that journey. And so I think it's pretty important um, that we do that in community. But again, I don't think it's wrong. If you don't mind holding, I, I we do have to go I to our not. break right now. Okay, I appreciate that. So we'll get back to you right after the break. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We have one open line, 303-690-3000. We'll be right back in two minutes time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and with your prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you. We would love to uh, answer those questions you have about the Bible. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Well, right before the break, we were talking to Rick in Pennsylvania, and he had a question about baptism. So let's go back to Rick. Hey, Rick, thanks for holding. Really appreciate that. Um, Rick, right before the break, we were talking about your niece. She wants you to baptize her in a pool, but uh, she doesn't want to go to church, and she doesn't currently attend church, and you're feeling torn about that. Yes, sir. um, Now, I just give you my two cents, which is that I think it's possible, because you're baptizing her into Christ, not into a church, and yet it's not ideal because it communicates the, in my opinion, kind of communicates the wrong thing both to mm. her and about what baptism is. So yes. um, uh, let me just kick it back to you and say, okay, any thoughts on that? Um, well, how can I help you with I was this? very uncomfortable at first when she asked me because I know she didn't attend church, and um, but I know she has a belief in, in Christ and given her life to Christ. And um, I was really torn about it. Uh, I didn't feel good about it at first, and I still don't really feel comfortable about it because— it is a public witness. I mean, I did the same thing, my wife, and we were just young Christians. We, you know, we knew we had to do that, and we went to church, and we we grew in the church, and, you know, and all my children today are all serving the Lord and the families. I have 11 grandchildren, and God's just abundantly blessed us. But when my niece came along and asked me that question, I was kind of torn because she didn't want to—you know, she's embarrassed. She doesn't want to stand in front of people, and it just made me feel uncomfortable. It's for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So on the one hand, you know, I, I want to encourage anybody who wants to take a step towards Jesus. Like, I I want to just like be like, yes, let's do that. You know. And on the other hand, you know, I I do want to to really help them and not not mislead them in any way. And I'm I'm sure that you're in the same boat. So, huh. I, I would tell you this. I, I would feel out the situation. See if there's an opportunity to connect her with the church, maybe go with her, that kind of thing. 
Um, and if not, you know, another way to look at this is that who knows, maybe by baptizing or helping her take that first step, then you get to speak to her as a Christian. And in a sense, you're the person uh, who will be keeping her accountable. And I know that sometimes, you know, accountability is used in such a negative way or such a domineering way. That's not what we mean at all, but we don't mean it. I mean, like Paul the Apostle, right? He says, we're not here to lord over your faith. We're here to be helpers of your joy. And so, you know, you're that person, though, then who can speak into her life and say, hey, you said you wanted to be baptized. Well, hey, to be baptized into Christ, you're following him. And here are the things that Mm. he says to follow him Mm. means. It means to be part of the body. So let's get you baptized. But then, you know, long term, I want to see you get plugged in somewhere, you know? Right, right. And, um, you know, think about being shy. I think that with being shy, that's a fear, right? What's the fear? It's a fear of, in a way, fear of rejection because you're afraid mm-hmm. that, that people will know you and then not like you. But a lot mm-hmm. of times when you can make some relationships, those sh- that shyness goes away. And so sure. that would be the ideal. It's like, maybe that's what she needs is, okay, let's, let's baptize you because you're a believer. We don't need to like wait. You don't need to like earn your way into baptism. But on the sure. other hand, we want you to to really grow. And in order to grow, you can't do this on your own. So, mm. so maybe you help her, you know, make those first steps into, into that congregation, yeah. yes. make some friends, that kind of thing. All right. Well, I'll tell you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And uh, I hope God gives you wisdom with what to do. And hey, but let's just praise the Lord that your, your niece, she wants to be baptized. What a cool thing. Right. She approached me with it, so. Beautiful. I love her dearly, so. That's awesome. I thank you, Pastor Nick, for that. My pleasure. God bless you. All right. Thank you, All sir. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, if, if you're listening still, uh, our last caller there, um, Rick in Pennsylvania, just want you to know that Hope FM has a great website that has some local churches that they recommend. So any of you listeners out in the Pennsylvania area, so hopefm.net. Um, they're in Pennsylvania. That's where they're based. And uh, you can, if you're looking for a church to connect to, there's a great way to do that. There's also a list of, of churches on gracefm.com if you're looking for a church and you're here in Colorado or Southern Wyoming. So check those out um, in that case. Well, hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I am with you here on Calvary Live every Friday. And the number to call with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Joan in Lancaster, PA. Hey, Joan, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? You've got uh, two Pennsylvanians in a row. (laughs) I'll I'll take all the Pennsylvanians I can get. There you go. Um... I can I listened of course to the caller Rick and yeah um we're always moved by these heartfelt situations mine's a little more academic if you will um if you can <laughs> once more um I've got some questions that sort of focus out of Matthew 24 um and I'll preface it by saying um it has doesn't really bother me at all um but i'm i'm one of those who's not a hundred percent 
convinced of a pre-trib rapture. I just know the Lord is coming. He's going to make everything right, all his perfect justice, and however he chooses to do it, I'm okay. okay. And if there is a pre-trib rapture, I will be overjoyed to find out that I was wrong. Okay. You know, if I was. But I did have a couple of questions, just kind of on verses. Um, and again, one of the, the reasons is it it's not a shaking it's not a trembling of my faith whatsoever. Um, I just want to be as ready as I can be to speak to anybody who asks stuff. And I want to give as, you know, as solidly the truth as, as I can understand it. So here we go. Um, um, I've picked out a couple of verses and I'm trying to get them sort of to jive. Um, and you're incredibly familiar with all of these. So verse 15 says, When you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel, um, the, is the understanding there that the rapture has happened? I've heard some things say that, um, some speakers say that, like Matthew 24 is largely just about the final year's Jacob's trouble for Israel. Um and given that, if that is true, then jumping down, like later on, um, down to 29, 30, and 31, um, immediately after the tribulation of those days, in verse 29, in verse 30, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. And then 31 kind of made me, uh, you know, like, stop, because it said, and then he will he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds. So um, is, that, is that a second type of rapture, if you will, a gathering? Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. So let me speak into a few things and let's see if I answer your questions or if you have more questions. So let's check it out. Okay. So uh, Matthew 24 and 25, but particularly Matthew 24, is what's called the Olivet Discourse. Now there's another version of it that's also found in Luke's gospel, but uh, Matthew 24 and 25, particularly 24, is really one of the most difficult passages to interpret in all of the New Testament. And there are a few ways that people go about it, okay? So a few rubrics, if you will, or models, uh, paradigms. I'm not sure if I'm using the right word here. But it, here's the interpretive lens through which you can in interpret this. One view is what's called the preterist view. Now you have partial preterists and you have full preterists. But even amongst partial preterists, you have a spectrum. Now, for anybody who's like, what is a preterist? Preterist means that when we read particularly the Olivet Discourse, so Matthew 24, and the book of Revelation, they believe that these are things which have already taken place. In other words, they believe they're not speaking about future events. So preterist view. Now you have partial preterists, right? So some partial preterists would say that when it says that Jesus is coming back, they would say, all of these things have happened except for the return of Jesus, right? And they would say these things happened in the year A.D. 70 when 
Jerusalem was attacked by Rome and the city was destroyed. And they say, that's what this is talking about. And so therefore they would say the one thing that hasn't happened, and that's why they're called partial preterists, is that Jesus hasn't come back. Now there are some who would call themselves full preterists, or perhaps they would still call themselves partial preterists, but they'd be more on the full to partial, barely partial preterists. And here's what they say. And this is a, in my opinion, this is really stretching it. This view is held by R.C. Sproul, for example. And he says that um, when you read immediately after, so verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. This is his interpretation that that has already happened and it happened in 70 AD and that it's speaking here metaphorically and saying that the tribulation of those days, meaning the sacking of Jerusalem, uh, was followed by the return of the Son of Man. And here, this is why you have to do some mental gymnastics here. They say that the coming of Jesus, Jesus came metaphorically in the Roman legion that attacked um, Jerusalem. Now, I, I cannot accept that view. And there's a, several reasons why I can't accept it, but it, it's very clear. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Well, did, did the Romans come on the clouds? No. But secondly, verse 31, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather the elect from the four winds. And they say, well, there you go. That, that just refers to the saving of many people, many people repenting and turning to Jesus. And I say, no, 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 no way. Because in chapter 25, he talks about how there will be this gathering of the sheep and the goats and the great judgment. So clearly this is not talking about something that has already taken place. So instead of a preterist view, we take a futurist view, at least on verses 29 through 31, which means we believe that these are not, this is not speaking of things which happened in 70 AD. Rather, these are things which have not yet happened. So then we work our way backwards from that. Now, here's what makes Matthew 24 so difficult to interpret, is that Jesus, and I think this isn't, this is not just me saying this, this is very clear from reading the passage. He is speaking about things which are to come in the future. And how do I know that? Because it literally says at the beginning of the chapter, verse 3, he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him, and they said, tell us what will happen in the future, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Mm-hmm. So there's two things that he's talking about here. Number one, he's talking about things that will happen because go back to verse one of chapter 24, Jesus left the temple and his disciples, and they were pointing out the buildings of the temple. And Jesus told them, you see these things? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So they're like, what are you talking about? So Jesus is telling him two things. And it's really important that we separate these two. He's telling him, number one, about the destruction of the temple. Number two, about the sign of his coming in the end of the age. Mm -hmm. So this is where people get into trouble with Matthew 24 and why they get so confused is that they think, oh, he's just talking about one event. No, no, no. It says very clearly in the opening three verses that Jesus is talking about two separate events which are to come. And this, when you understand that, the rest of the chapter makes sense. And here's how. The, the first part is this. 
he's talking about the destruction of the temple, which did happen in 70 AD. So that part, we say, okay, that's why he says, um, you know, watch out when you see these things, you know, woe to you who are in Jerusalem when these things take place. He's speaking to Jews who are in Jerusalem, the Jewish capital, about things that are going to happen in Jerusalem in the days to come. And he's telling them to flee to the mountains. Watch out. Hope it doesn't happen on a Sabbath. If it happened on a Sabbath today, most of us wouldn't mind, right? But he's talking to people for whom that was a big deal at that time. But then he's talking about something else, right? Then he's talking about the coming, the second coming of Jesus at the end of the age. And he kind of mixes the two in with each other, right? He kind of switches between talking about the two events. That's what makes the chapter so hard to understand. But just keep in mind that for the people listening to this, these were all events which were to come in the future. And Jesus is kind of explaining, okay, well, the temple is going to be destroyed. Um, there will be an attack against Jerusalem. And also, you know, there will be a time of great tribulation, which is to come in the future. Daniel's prophecy will be fulfilled. There will be an abomination that causes desolation. And after the great tribulation, then I will come back. Right. Um, again, my confusion was, or hiccup, is, again, verse 31, that mm -hmm. after all those listings, um, you know, and well into the seven years, or and actually at the end, mm -hmm. and then he will gather the elect. So that's where I kind of got hiccuped. Yeah. Um, so because of that verse, some people take what's called a post-tribulation rapture view. And um, the post-tribulation rapture view basically hinges on this verse right here, that, as you're pointing out, right? Which says that these people go through the tribulation, then there will be this gathering of the elect up into heaven after the tribulation has taken place. Um, my opinion on that would be this, that throughout the book of Revelation, we also see that um, after the rapture takes place, so I take a, a view of Revelation that says that Revelation isn't just a, a random collection of, of things that will happen. Rather, it's a chronological, right? Here are the things that were, the things that are, and the things that are to come. And the things that are to come begin in Revelation 4, verse 1, with John being caught up to heaven. I believe that's John getting a preview of the rapture. And then from heaven, with the saints, he's watching the events that take place on earth. And what takes place on earth? Well, there are people who are getting saved during that time. And then, so here's what I believe this is referring to, that there's a time when those who are saved during that time do get caught up to the Lord at the second coming. Okay. So I would say that, that when it talks about gathering those people together, these are people who are on the earth, who have gone through the tribulation, perhaps got saved during the tribulation, and then at the second coming of Jesus, then they're gathered up, and it says in chapter 25 that at that point takes place the, the great judgment. Okay. It's a difficult-to-understand passage. <laughs> I, I don't expect that you've wrapped your mind around it even just to, during our uh, talk. Not completely yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, it's honestly, through several years, it's been kind of a ping-pong, oh, yeah, that makes sense, and then reading somebody else, and I have read... Um, Mr. Sproul as well, among others. And yeah, but what about this verse? And, you know, again, it's, 
it's not a question of faith, Lord, however you want to do it, is is perfectly fine and just and the right way to do it. But, um, like, especially anticipating being more bold speaking with family members, I, I want to be as ready as possible with anything that comes up. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to say it right. So I want to have it as right as I can in my in my own little head. <laughs> yeah. I know I, the important thing is that you're right with the Lord in repentance and covered by the blood. Uh, yeah. These other things are uh, more academic, but um, sure. if again, if they come up as a question, I don't want to make the words of the, the gospel sound confusing or silly. For sure. And, and, you know, I always tell people, um, it isn't that these things don't matter. It's just that they're not primary, what we call primary theological issues, right? They're not issues that we would divide over. They're issues that we can discuss as family and say, oh, okay, you know, let's discuss that. Let's let's be open to understanding, you know, where somebody else's interpretation comes from. And we can debate it as family. And I think, though, that these things are important for us to study. And there's really nothing better that you could be doing with your time, right, than studying the Word and preparing yourself and trying to understand. And Paul actually says that to the Thessalonians. I do not want you to be ignorant about the return of Jesus. So I would encourage you, be a student, continue to try and figure it out. I really disagree with R.C. Sproul's position, but I, um, I, think that there, I think there's some good answers. I think this is also one of the hardest to interpret passages in the entire New Testament. Well, it'll all be clear one day. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Thanks yeah. for the call. God bless you. Thank you so much. God all bless. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listen to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got all open lines right now. We've had a lot of callers this Friday, which has been great, but we have all open lines. Probably time for at least one more call. If there's any of you who have been waiting to get through, now would be a great time. The number to call is 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven for the text line. I had several people um, text me already asking for the link to that uh, blog post and the video in which I discussed the correlation between the number of the beast and Solomon. If any of you else out there uh, who didn't yet do that are still interested, you can always text in and ask for that link. I'd be happy to send it to you. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We're going to go over to our text line and answer some questions over there. Let's go to this first one. This person texted in early in the show and said, I'm having a lot of trouble trying to understand why my husband keeps waiting on a sign from God for what he is supposed to do for his life work. He got an email from a megachurch preacher that basically says to not give up his dream. Uh, with scripture supporting this message, I do not feel like um, I, I do not feel like this. Uh, I feel like this message has come seven times um, and has been repeated to him. Uh, Anyway, the the message goes on, but just basically says, our financial situation has changed. My husband understands he needs to work, but the sign hasn't been given except to uh, this miracle email. 
I'm at a loss as to what to do with this. I, any suggestions or light for my struggle? Yeah, I do have a few suggestions. You know, I think that um, the, the view of the reformers on work, the, meaning the 16th century reformers, the Reformation leaders like Martin Luther, John Calvin, Huldrych Zwingli, these people had a view of work and, and mission and vocation that was really, really unique and I think really important. And here's what it was. They said that calling, in fact, the word vocation, did you know that nowadays we use that word vocation to speak of, you know, just kind of like occupation. What do you do for a job? Well, originally the word vocation is a word that the reformers used, the early Protestant reformers used to talk about work because it comes from the Latin word vocare, which means calling. And so they viewed work as a way that you can fulfill God's calling for your life. And here's an example that Martin Luther gave. Um, and, and here's what it was. He said, we pray, we're taught to pray by Jesus every day. Give us this day our daily bread. But how does Jesus actually provide your daily bread? Or, or the psalmist, he prays, if the Lord doesn't protect a city, then the watchers watch it in vain. So how does God protect a city? How does God provide daily bread? He says, well, isn't there a farmer who plants his seeds? Isn't there a miller who mills the grain? Isn't there a transporter who transports the things between the two? Isn't there a grocer who sells those things? Isn't there a job that you work so that you have money to purchase that food? And all along the way, as people are doing their jobs, they are fulfilling their vocation. They're calling from God to provide and answer people's prayers. And so their point is this. If you don't know what to do, then do that which is right in front of you. In other words, get a job and your calling is to serve God by serving people in any way. Right? We tend to mysticize it. Right? We, we tend to mysticize it. Like, I'm waiting for God to give me some kind of revelation. And what's hard is you don't know how it's going to come. You're like, God's going to show me, but I don't know how he's going to show me. Is it going to be a weird feeling I wake up with one day? Is it going to be a miracle email? Problem is, what if you get a miracle email from somebody who's a charlatan? How do you know? Right? And so the reformers said, let me make it really easy for you. Go to work. And it's much easier for God to steer a moving ship than to, than to get uh, somebody, you know, to get a ship moving that's, you know, um, on the beach, right? So get the ship moving. It's much easier to steer it. And they'd say, go to work. That is your calling from God, to serve God by serving your neighbor. And you can do that in any and every occupation if you do it with the heart to glorify God. So that's my advice to you. Tell your husband, um, Pastor Nick says, get a job, serve your family, and he will show you and direct you as you do those things. All right, let's go to our last caller here. We've got Judah in Brighton. Hi, Judah. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. Uh, I wanted to call in with a quick prayer, prayer request for a friend of mine. I don't have permission to use his name, um, but God knows who he is. And I wanted to pray, you know, he, he's struggling with addiction, a couple of them. And he goes through these cycles where he does really well for a couple of months and, like, things get on track. He starts to get things together, um, and then he goes down, you know, he goes on a bender, and weeks go by where he just completely destroys all of the work that he's put in and all of the work that God's been doing with him. And I wanted to pray that, uh, I wanted to pray with 
audience that uh, and will give him the courage and give give him the courage to come to some meetings or to come to some groups and to reach out for the help that he needs. Yeah, let's pray for that. And um, just so that I don't run up against the end of the show, let me just tell you now that there is a great Christian addiction support group um, in Brighton at Calvary Chapel, Brighton. I'd really encourage you to check that out. It's called um, A Most Excellent Way, or let me make sure that's the name. The Most Excellent Way. And they have a meeting in Brighton at the Calvary Chapel. And I would really encourage you to maybe get Judah plugged, or yeah, to get your friend plugged in over there. I totally know the plight. I've had family members myself go through a similar thing. So let's pray together. Lord, we pray for Judah's friend. Lord, we pray that you would help him to have victory over this addiction. Lord, we pray that you would set him free from the things that bind him and that he would walk in the freedom of the children of God. Lord, give him the strength, help him to recognize the triggers and give him the support around him of believing people who will not only pick him up when he's down, but help him to make steps so he doesn't fall again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Judah. Thanks for calling in. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'd love to have you join us this Sunday. We're starting a new series in 1 Corinthians. Check us out online for directions and times. The website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. We're in Longmont, or you can visit us online. God bless you. I'll be with you again next week. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.